welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of Future Brew right here on mazenbrew.com. I am Vaughn Lozon, site manager at Mason Brew, and I have a special guest for the podcast today. Very uh, thankful for him hopping on and uh, giving us some insight on Michigan football recruiting in the 22 class. We'll talk about the 23 class as well. Uh, but EJ Holland, he is one of the grinders on the recruiting beat. If you follow him on Twitter, you probably see him uh, dropping his pins anywhere from Dallas to uh, the West Coast, back into the Midwest, Chicago, Detroit. I mean, EJ, you're everywhere, dude. How do you do it? <laughs> uh not a ton of sleep man but it's fun i love it well and, and that's that's huge is the passion for it and i obviously i mean i know how passionate you are about this and and uh i, I myself am very passionate about recruiting as well i wouldn't be doing it if i didn't enjoy talking about it and and learning about uh, the kids and the kind of kids that michigan likes to take in on a cycle by cycle basis so ej just wanted to uh, appreciate you uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, it's always good talking to you and discussing some Michigan football recruiting. So we'll just hop into it, man. I uh, wanted to get your thoughts on a few of the kids left in the 22 class because, I mean, my God, uh, it's it's already November somehow. And uh, the early signing period is going to be coming around really, really quick. And it just seems like yesterday, uh, you know, it was like the uh, the big Victor's weekend uh, official visits in the summer. And uh, that is all now coming to an end as uh, we, we get real close to uh, the middle of December for this early signing period. So Michigan still got a lot of, a lot of prospects still out there and a few five-star guys that fans have been uh, certainly asking me about um, in our uh, comment section on mazebrew.com. And I'm sure you get questions about these guys as well. Wanted to start with Josh Connerly though and uh, get your thoughts on him because he visited back in September for the maze out against Washington uh, by all accounts seemed like he and everybody else who visited for that weekend had a great time for the night game and a big win for Michigan that weekend as well. And uh, really rolled out the red carpet for a lot of kids. So I wanted to get your thoughts on where Michigan stands with Josh Connerly. And is this going to be, a commitment that he ends up making uh, probably closer to that early signing period in December. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, starting off with Josh Connerly as a prospect, I mean, he would be a monster land for Michigan this cycle. I believe on three has him ranked as uh, a five-star level guy. Um, I think that he is that. I went out and saw him in September and he was terrific. I mean, he's everything you want in a tackle prospect. There's a reason Michigan has made him the only offensive lineman on the board at this time. Uh, Connerly is actually a guy that I became familiar with through some sources out in the Pacific Northwest from my time on the Texas beat. Uh, at the time, Connerly had like only a few offers. Uh, and uh, it was actually Ed Warner that extended an offer to him during the NFL draft last April. Since then, Sharon Moore has uh, taken over his recruitment. He's done a terrific job of really personally connecting with Connerly. I feel like a lot of people have forgotten how good of a recruiter Sharon Moore is because of all the new hires, but he's doing a fantastic job with Connerly uh, and his father, Jim Harbaugh, uh, flew out to the Seattle area this summer for a satellite camp and had a chance to spend some time 
with the Connerly family. Obviously, like you mentioned, he was up at Michigan for an official visit. He was also at the barbecue this summer for an unofficial visit. And on top of that, I mean, everything has just lined up the right way for Michigan in terms of uh, other schools. I mean, Connerly was very high on Washington. They are a mess. And he got to see Michigan, you know, beat down Washington during his visit. USC was another school that he was very high on. Um, he actually has a, a, a really strong connection to one of the offensive line analysts there um, through some uh, ties to his high school program. So USD was one he wanted to really, really visit and he did, but obviously they're in a state of disarray right now. So everything has just lined up the right way for Michigan. I think Michigan has a really good lead here. I, I mean, I feel extremely confident in Josh Connerly, he was number one on my hot board, which you can find over at the Wolverine, which kind of gives you my confidence level on guys. He was number one. I, I feel like Michigan's going to close the deal. I have a lot of uh, faith in Sharon Moore. Uh, the fact that Jim Harbaugh has invested so many resources here, uh, you know, kind of leads me to believe that that Michigan's in a great spot. And uh, I, I, I'm actually having a hard time finding a number two. It'll be interesting to see if Oregon makes a, a bigger run here late, but as it stands right now, I think Connerly uh, will end up in Michigan's class. And as far as a decision timeline, Connerly's always kind of aimed to do it at the All-American Bowl uh, in January. I think he might wait until then. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he made a decision sooner than that, but um, it looks like he wants to wait it out until uh, the game and make things public then. Yeah, and I've, you've definitely seen that out of prospects in previous classes where they could end up signing early, but the school doesn't release that information publicly and then ends up uh, sign or well, not signing, but making that commitment, that signing known at the uh, Under Armour All-American game. So now that's certainly good news to hear on Josh Connerly. I mean, he's been a top guy, like you said, for a very, very long time for the Wolverines and certainly a guy that you would want in your class. Uh, they're going to need a, a, at least one more offensive lineman. He's the guy that they've gone all in on and you make a really good point about the Pac-12 schools how they're kind of in disarray with USC firing Clay Helton um, at the beginning of the season and uh, with Washington his hometown team not having such a great season either it really seems like a good opportunity for Michigan to not only really get in on Connerly's recruitment but also some other West Coast guys and we'll just transition right to another guy Domani Jackson who I know you're very familiar with you've covered him very extensively throughout this recruitment here. Uh, in my opinion, he is a top 10 guy in this class, if not higher than that, but still committed to USC. Uh, but it, it seems like he's at the very least interested in two other schools being Michigan and Alabama has visited both of those schools as well. Uh, but keeping that USC commitment uh, in check right now, uh, I would imagine that his commitment to USC in the future kind of hinges on what the school does at the head coaching vacancy that is going to have to be filled uh, this off season. They've got his uh, main recruiter, cornerback coach, uh, Dante Williams as the interim head coach. Um, so in your opinion, EJ, if, uh, if USC kind of lets Williams go um, and hires in another head coach, do you think that's going to be what it takes for Michigan uh, to really uh, potentially, I guess, get a flip out of Domani? Or do you think that he's kind of just locked into USC no matter what? No, I, I definitely think if Dante Williams is not on staff um, by the time Domani signs, then 
he'll be at Michigan. But obviously, you know, that's a lot to bank on. Dante is considered one of, if not the best recruiters out West. I would think that whoever the new head coach is at USC would do everything possible to keep him on staff. So I don't necessarily, um, you know, I don't necessarily put, you know, all my eggs in that basket that Don there's a strong possibility Dante is not going to be in on staff at USC. I think there's a more likely chance that he is going to be on staff at USC. So what can Michigan do if Dante is on staff? Well, you know, just continue to play well on the field. Obviously the loss to Michigan State was tough, um, but you still have some marquee games coming up, obviously Penn State, Ohio State. I mean, if you can beat Penn State and stay competitive with Ohio State or pull the upset, I think that would be really big for his recruitment. Uh, Damani and his family have wanted to see stability at Michigan. I think they've gotten stability. Damani has told me on several occasions that he's really impressed with Mike McDonald and the defensive scheme. And, uh, you know, as far as relationships, Courtney Morgan has done a really good job with Damani's parents. Uh, when I went out to L.A., uh, I don't know, I've been out there many times. <laughs> when I went out to L.A., like one of the more recent trips, um, his father, you know, really kind of reiterated the job Courtney has done um, just having a, a guy with West Coast connections that they can relate to, uh, I think really, really has moved the needle for him personally. I think Michigan, one of the key things that I always mention was winning over mom. I think, you know, his, his mother grew up an Ohio State fan. Obviously, both of his parents are from Ohio. Um, but I, I think Michigan did a fantastic job on his official visit just winning over mom. I think she's kind of signed off that uh, that Damani can go to Michigan if he wants to. Initially, when Damani actually visited for the big self-guided weekend last year, there was uh, some discussion about Damani potentially picking the Wolverines. And, you know, I had heard that his mother was was really, really, you know, hesitant on that, saying, you know, let's let's slow things down here and, and see how things kind of play out. So I think winning her over uh, was big. So relationships are there. I mean, Steve Plinkscale has done a, a nice job connecting with Damani since the departure of Maurice Linguist uh, and Mike Zordich. Uh, remember, Michigan's been in this Damani recruitment for a long time. So uh, with Plinkscale doing a good job, with Jim Harbaugh calling Damani every week, with Courtney Morgan uh, working on the parents, the relationship aspect is there. The field aspect is there. I'm not sh sure what else Michigan can do. I think they're doing everything the right way. I think if they figure out NIL um, and how to play that game, that'll be another boost in this recruitment. Um, but there are a lot of moving parts with Damani Jackson. His recruitment reminds me a lot of one that I covered just as extensively in Brew McCoy um, during my time on the Texas Beat, also another modern day kid, also a kid I flew out to California to see every single month. Um, and his recruitment was interesting. I mean, uh, national guys gave Texas basically no chance at landing this kid. And I always stuck to my guns and said, there's a really good chance he lands at Texas. Obviously he signed with USC and then transferred to Texas like a week later yeah. <laughs> um, in one of the uh, craziest recruitments of all time. But, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of the, I get a similar vibe with Damani. Like it, it, it'll be really interesting to see the twists and turns of this recruitment over the next month. So there was like a, a national story today that put the chances on Damani flipping 
to Michigan at 5%. And I would say it's, it's definitely not 5%. It would be much closer to 40. I get that he's a modern day kid. I get that he spent most of his life in Southern California. Uh, but I, I've seen this story play out before. And I, I really feel like there's a great shot that Michigan can flip him, especially given that his parents are from the Midwest, uh, his connection to Will Johnson, everything that we just talked mm -hmm. about. So we'll kind of see how it plays out. I'm not going to you know, sit here and say he is going to flip to Michigan, but those that are dismissing any chance or being extremely pessimistic, um, I, I don't think you're on the right side. I think there's a legit, legit shot that Michigan flips Damani, and there's a reason the staff is still going all in on Damani, as opposed to, you know, another high-profile recruitment like Walter Nolan, where they've kind of, you know, pumped the brakes a little bit. I, I feel like they, there's still a lot of optimism coming out of Ann Arbor. You know that you're a grinder on the trail when you can't remember which previous time that you were in L.A. seeing a kid. <laughs> I, I, to, I told the listeners, I told them that EJ is a grinder. You you go everywhere. So I, I can't fault you for that. But no, I, I agree with all of that. I think there is a solid chance that they would be able to flip him. And I mean, if there's anybody that uh, word that I'm going to take, it's going to be your word. You know, this recruitment like uh, the back of your hand, man. I mean, you've been all over this one. So. Uh, certainly good to hear that as well. want to transition to a couple Midwest kids. Um, we'll fly back from LA to Detroit, talk about Dion Walker a little bit, because this one has been ongoing for quite some time. They offered him, uh, back in the summer of 2020. And obviously he's been among the top defensive line targets, uh, for Michigan. Now, subsequently another new target that Michigan is, uh, seemingly going all in on. Uh, at the linebacker position is Jimmy Rolder, who is in your neck of the woods, EJ, in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, another highly ranked and highly regarded defensive prospect plays linebacker. He's 6'2", 220, uh, so he certainly has that build for what Mike McDonald, uh, George Hilo, what they are looking for out of uh, the linebacker position. So talk to me a little bit, EJ, about Dion and about Jimmy, because these are a couple really different recruitments. Dion, it seemed like Michigan led for quite some time. And now it really seems like uh, Kentucky is uh, clawing their way back into this recruitment. As far as Jimmy Rolder goes and correct me if I'm wrong, but just my view on it uh, has been a late bloomer late to the game uh, getting ranked. And uh, I, it seemed like just a couple of weeks ago, I think it was when he released his mid season highlight reel and everybody and their mother were clamoring to offer this guy. He's got offers from Florida uh, LSU came in with an offer, Ohio state, Michigan, obviously, uh, Wisconsin also offered him and he's had that Illinois offer and he's currently committed to play baseball, uh, at Illinois. So we'll see if uh, any of this football interest, uh, persuades him to do otherwise, which I, at this juncture, I would imagine it probably would. Um, so, uh, just go in depth on, uh, those two guys. Cause I'm curious to see what you have to say. Uh, with these two recruitments here defensively, uh, both kind of going in uh, opposite ways, I guess, from from my uh, viewpoint or my look at it. Yeah, let's go ahead and start off with uh, Jimmy Rolder. So I'll be at his game on Saturday. So um, Maris is still in the playoffs. So I'm, I'm excited to get out and actually watch him in game. Right after he picked up a Michigan offer, I went out and, and watched him practice. The following day, Mike McDonald actually came out to Chicago and saw him in game. Um, since then, he's also visited Michigan. Um, he was there on campus a couple of weeks ago for the game against Northwestern. He's really high on what Michigan has to offer on the field. 
And uh, from an academic perspective, the way he got offered was pretty funny. He actually just got a, a call from an unknown number from Michigan and he picked up and it happened to be Jim Harbaugh personally extending an offer. Um, so, <laughs> what a call. <laughs> so yeah, he, I guess he was uh, really happy. He actually answered. I usually ignore those spam risk calls, but um, anyway, he, uh, you know, everything's just happened so fast for him. I think he's still kind of building relationships, not just with Michigan, but all these new staffs that have offered him. Remember, most of his recruitment has happened over the last month. Like you mentioned, he was a baseball commit for Illinois, but his goal has always been to play football. I actually went out to Maris last spring um, or th this past spring uh, because Carnell's Tate was still there for a little bit and uh, Michigan had offered, um, you know, a, one of their offensive linemen, Pat Coogan, who ended up going to Notre Dame. But I, I went out there and, you know, I always ask high school coaches, are there any guys coming up that could, you know, could be recruits that I can, you know, at least get some headshots of. Nobody mentioned Jimmy Rolder. So when I went out to, to, to practice, I talked to their head coach again. And I was like, you never told me about the Jimmy Rolder kid. And he was like, Jimmy Rolder hasn't even played linebacker full time. He was a tight end and he just, you know, blew up this, you know, he had great, uh, he had a great spring season. And then he, really blossomed here, um, you know, as a senior during the fall season. If you remember, uh, the state of Illinois played in the spring due to COVID. But, um, yeah, he wasn't even a full-time linebacker. He was a tight end. He was a baseball kid. But he's just such a big, intriguing athlete that he's kind of just taken off on the recruiting trail thanks to the film he's put out this year. Um, from a baseball perspective, I love kids that can play baseball at a high level and football at a high level. I think those skills – uh, transition. You see a lot of great, you know, baseball players playing football. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, I have a lot of respect for people that can play baseball. I always sucked at it. it it's uh, an extremely difficult sport to play. But again, I feel like those traits transition well. So I love Jimmy Rolder as a prospect. I love the way he's kind of blown up. Um, but, you know, as far as his recruitment, everything's just kind of, he's just kind of soaking it all in. So he's made a couple of visits. Um, he was actually at Iowa uh, initially. That was the first school that really identified him. He's been to Michigan. He was just at Ohio State. Some SEC schools have entered the mix here recently. LSU just offered him last night. Florida had offered him. So uh, overall, I think <clears throat> there's still time with Jimmy. He's not an early enrollee, so it'll be interesting to see how far he takes his recruitment and how many more visits he actually makes. Um, but I think Michigan's doing a really good job. Uh, they are making him a priority as an inside linebacker, as far as, you know, the baseball aspect, I think Michigan can offer uh, a lot from the baseball aspect, but he told me he's actually not looking to play baseball at the next level. He solely wants to focus on football, which is really interesting. Just kind of the rise of Jimmy Rolder. So really excited to see him in game. Uh, on Saturday and see kind of what he says uh, as far as Michigan and his overall recruitment picture. Uh, since the last time I saw him a few weeks ago, everything was kind of snowballing in. Um, on the flip side of the coin with Dion Walker, yeah, man, this is a really interesting one. So I put in a future cast pick for him in, I want to say June, and then there's a, a flurry of crystal ball picks on the other side and all types of you know, momentum building up for Deion Walker. And then that kind of just came to a halt. I don't think it's anything that Michigan did necessarily. I mean, they hosted him on campus for 
quite a few visits in the summer. He, he was there two or three times, and then he, he came out for the game against Washington. You know, there was a little bit of a, I guess, a negative bump in regards to, you know, two close friends, Tafik Thomas and Mario Eugenio, kind of being turned away from Michigan. But, you know, if you're a high-level recruit, I don't think you're making decisions based off friends too much. Um, so, you know, the, the scheme has been, the defensive scheme has been great. The way the defense has played from an overall perspective has been really good. Um, you know, it, it fits him in, and he knows that he knows that, you know, Michigan can offer some great things on and off the field. So I'm not really sure what's causing Dion to, you know, I'll be completely honest. I really am not sure what has caused this, you know, downward trend in the Dion Walker recruitment. He's always been intrigued by playing in the SEC. When Alabama offered, you know, I got a little wary, but it doesn't seem like Alabama is pushing extremely hard. They are keeping him warm, so we'll see if that changes. The The rise of Kentucky is just so interesting. You know, if, if Steve Klinkscale was there, who did a, a terrific job recruiting the state of Michigan while at Kentucky, I would understand the interest thanks to all his ties and connections to high school coaches around the area. But Clink isn't there anymore. I, I'm not really sure what's more appealing about Kentucky um, than Michigan for Dion. So, uh, you know, I, I'm scheduled to talk to Dion this week. I'm curious to, to gather some of his thoughts. But this summer, he was about as much of a lock as anybody to commit to Michigan. Like, I, you know, <laughs> I'll be completely honest. We had a Dion Walker commitment story ready on our back end for like two months and then it never happened. And then it just kept going. Oh, did we? <laughs> we did too. Yeah. I, I was just waiting, man. And it, yeah, it never happened. And I was like, what in the world is going on? This should have happened a long, long time ago. Cause I mean, he's, he was commenting on kids, Instagram posts saying, come join us. And he put like the M emoji and all that. It's been odd. Like you said, I, I can't put my finger on it either. I just don't know. I'm at that point. I, I, want to just lean more towards giving kudos to Kentucky uh, recruiting him hard and still being on him, even though it appeared over the summer that he was a lock to Michigan, but clearly not. Um, so we'll, we'll certainly see about all of this uh, with, with this recruitment with Dion. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll let you finish. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but go on. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, at this point I might give Kentucky a slight edge. There's still a feeling around Michigan that they can win him over at the end you know, all of Rashawn Benny, um, you know, kind of get him in for that last visit and, and swoop him back up before um, before signing day. I do expect Dion to, to take this all the way to December. So there's still a lot of time for this to sort itself out. It's been really odd. I don't think anybody really knows the truth to why Michigan is on a downward trend other than Dion. You know, I, I've known him for multiple years. I'm, I'm fairly close to him, maybe not to the extent of Will or Devani, but still, I, I, I'm having a really, really tough time figuring out why, you know, that commitment didn't happen in the summer. And I don't think Michigan knows either. I think those around the program have been a little uh, befuddled by the whole process as well. So they're going to keep pushing. They're going to try to, like I said, get them on campus for that last OV and win them over before signing day. And I still think that's, a strong possibility at the same time Michigan has some you know insurance policies obviously they're pushing for Jeffrey Embaugh at the Juco level but um you know Michigan's just going to keep chipping away with Dion and we'll see where things kind of stand in December a couple more 2022 guys I want to talk 
about, and then we'll just briefly go over 2023. I find this development here very, very interesting, EJ, and I'm very curious to get your thoughts on uh, this, the couple guys that they just offered uh, very recently, Caleb Webb, who is a wide receiver, let's say six foot two, a buck 85. He is a, a three-star prospect from the state of Georgia. Uh, they offered him back on October 26 and is scheduled to officially visit this weekend for the game against Indiana, that night game. But he, he's been committed to East Carolina since June. So we'll see if that has uh, any change here. And then they act, Michigan also offered his quarterback that throws to him in high school, Bryce Archie, also a three-star prospect, uh, has been committed to Coastal Carolina since the month of April. Uh, I, I'm curious if he's going to officially visit as well with his, uh, with his teammate, Caleb Webb. Uh, I, I haven't seen anything on Twitter to um, – to see if he is going to, and I haven't had the chance to connect with him yet, uh, but very curious to hear your thoughts on these two prospects, because at this point, Michigan already has a quarterback in their class, and you usually don't take two quarterbacks unless, A, uh, you're worried about the guy that you are, have already on board. Uh, Jaden Denigal is the uh, quarterback uh, commit for Michigan in this class from the state of California. Um, and, and the second option is a, you just simply want to take two because you think that one guy uh, could potentially leave. So maybe they think Cade McNamara takes that next step and, and goes to the NFL or tests the NFL waters at the very least. And they think JJ is going to be the guy next year. Um, really don't know at this point. I, I, I would just be speculating uh, at this point. So I want to get your thoughts on these two prospects and Michigan's chances with uh, both Bryce Archie and with Caleb Webb. Yeah. I mean, both are so new. It's, it's kind of wait and see. I know with, you know, Caleb Webb, he has been really high on, on Louisville and Tennessee. I think Tennessee leads there, but it's so new. It'll be interesting to see what happens after his official visit. I think Bryce Archie may make his way to campus this weekend as well. Still working to confirm that, but obviously Michigan, you know, is is much higher profile school than Coastal Carolina. So I think they would have a, I would assume they would have a good shot at flipping him, but still want to gather more on both of these new prospects. Um, You know, with, with Caleb Webb, Michigan does need another wide receiver in this class. Really, they just have Tyler Morris, who's coming off a torn ACL. Um, They obviously had the decommitment of Tayshawn Trent, which was expected. I think this more so has to do with uh, Dane Key staying home and committing to Kentucky um now your wide receiver board is kind of barren so getting Caleb Webb on campus is huge uh with Bryce Archie uh and the whole Jaden Denegal situation well one you know Jaden Denegal was kind of a I don't want to you know say a last resort take uh but Michigan missed out on quite a few quarterback targets earlier this cycle they they really thought they were going to land Nate Johnson and obviously he ended up going to Utah and so they kind of settled in a sense for Jaden Denegal. And, you know, look, I think Jaden is, is a fine take, but there's also a reason he had no other committable power five offers at the time of his pledge to Michigan. Um, he also suffered an injury recently, uh, actually two weeks ago. So I'm trying to get more on what exactly that injury is. There's been no true details about it. So in, in the era of the transfer portal and the quarterback position in general being such a 
uh, a bit of a cluster with guys jumping in and out of the portal and then not having too great of a take in Jaden Denegal, as well as putting all your eggs in the Dante Moore basket for next cycle without a guarantee of landing him. I think it makes sense to get another quarterback in the room. They flirted a lot with Justin Martin, uh, who ended up committing to UCLA uh, a couple of weeks ago. So it, it makes sense that they're looking at Bryce Archie for all those factors. But with both of these guys being teammates, obviously Michigan is going to sell them on being a package duo. And like I said, I think we'll learn a lot more about both of these guys after their uh, visits. I, I feel like they're just so new that it's kind of, and even for them, they're still kind of trying to learn a little more about Michigan. Yeah, the quarterback position in this cycle is definitely not how it was in 21, where you just get J.J. McCarthy uh, committed pretty quickly and you just ride with him the entire cycle. And it always helps when uh, you get a, a very talented QB on board so early, but yeah, I mean, they, they, and we've talked about this on the pod before they have swung and missed on so many guys in this class, Drew Alar, uh, the Penn state commit Malik Murphy. They were going after for a little while. Who's uh, committed to Texas, Tavon Jackson uh, from Indiana, uh, who is committed to Tennessee. And then you mentioned Nate Johnson uh, as a, a, a guy who's committed to Utah. They just, yeah, it's just swung and missed on a lot of those guys in this class, unfortunately. And, yeah, maybe Denegal was kind of like one of those last resort kind of players, like how you mentioned. I mean, they got him to uh, throw in front of them over the summer and they extended the offer. And it was about a day later, I think, is when he committed. So it'll it'll be really interesting to see all of that develop uh, leading up to the early signing period. I'm really curious about that. Uh, finally, just um, want to get your thoughts on a few 23 guys and uh, who you think the uh, the overall top targets in 23 are you mentioned Dante Moore, who in my opinion uh, should be numbers one through 10 on Michigan's top board overall in this 23 class, having an in-state kid, uh, five-star quarterback recruit. Uh, you just, if you're Michigan, you can't miss on a guy like that. And he is a, a an immense talent at uh, six, two a buck 95 or so he plays at uh, MLK in Detroit. And obviously they're going all in on him. So we don't have to talk too much about him because he's uh, clearly one of the top overall targets in this class. But want to get your thoughts on who you think are just a few of the other guys to kind of keep an eye on in the 23 class as the 22 class uh, is almost over here with the early signing period in December. Yeah, um, we'll definitely just talk about some guys that come to mind. I mean, obviously, you mentioned Dante Moore. I won't spend too much time on him, but he is the crown jewel of next cycle. I mean, things start and end with Dante Moore. He will kind of set the tone for the cycle. I think right now Michigan is in a really good spot, but so is Ohio State. He just visited there this weekend. Penn State has really surged in his recruitment. Notre Dame, Michigan State, very involved, and some Southern schools have you know, had him on campus like Florida State, LSU. So it'll be interesting to see how his recruitment shakes out, but Michigan is making him the top priority. And I do have him graded as a five-star guy. I think he's, you know, uh, has an argument as one of the best quarterbacks uh, in the, or the best quarterback in the country for next cycle. I know a lot of people are infatuated with Arch Manning and uh, for various reasons. Uh, and I know a lot of people are high on Malachi Nelson, but I think Dante Moore is kind of the forgotten man. He should be right up there with both of those guys. Um, but yeah, it, you know, Michigan in a good spot, but still a long way to go there. 
Um, some other guys that come to mind, I mean, obviously sticking in state and, and around the Midwest, uh, Amir Herring, Samaj Morgan, the West Bloomfield duo, uh, Amir Herring, uh, one of the top interior offensive linemen in the country, Samaj Morgan, an explosive slot wide receiver. I think right now, uh, Michigan leads for both of those guys. Obviously, you have the Ron Bellamy connection. So I think closing with them early would be really big. Uh, out here in Chicagoland, uh, you have Konkaki defensive back Jair Hill. Um, he is only a three-star guy right now, but I think he's going to be a national top 250 type player, uh, even a top 150 type player. I went out and saw him uh, on Friday night a couple of weeks ago, and he just impressed me so much. So I think Hill is definitely a, a top of the board guy. And uh, I, I absolutely love him as a prospect. And I think Michigan did a nice job of identifying him early. He's picked up a, a few other big offers. I think Wisconsin offered him yesterday. Penn State has jumped in the mix there as well. But uh, Michigan doing a great job getting ahead of the game with uh, Jair Hill. Um, other guys, you know, kind of out of region guys, Nicholas Harbor out of uh, the DMV is just a freak athlete he runs like an insane like 10 3 100 meter as a linebacker type so he's going to be a top overall priority uh with michigan looking to get back in the dmv next cycle i mean he is a, a top tier guy uh you also have jalen brown down in the southeast out of miami uh wide receiver that actually has a michigan great desmond howard as a mentor michigan already has uh, gotten him on campus twice, including for the game against Washington. I think he's definitely a guy they can pull out of South Florida. Tackett Curtis is a really big name to know, um, a top 100 guy out of Louisiana, uh, big imposing linebacker that has also visited Michigan twice, uh, was on campus in the summer, was there for the Washington game. Uh, Ron Bellamy has some really, really strong connections being a Louisiana native and just being able to relate to guys uh, down in the boot. So, uh, you know, Tacky Curtis definitely one to watch. I was just in Dallas over the weekend and saw some big time 2023 targets, um, including two that will be visiting for the Ohio State game, Trey Wilson and Anthony James. So Trey is a, a four-star level edge rusher, uh, again, out of the Dallas area. He's a former teammate of Ike Wuna, who signed with Michigan last cycle. He was already on campus in the summer, so getting him back in the fall is big. I think he's a guy they can pull out of the Lone Star State. Um, and then you, you also have Anthony James. Like I mentioned, he's currently committed to Texas A&M, but he's actually a native of Flint. Uh, still has a lot of family in the state of Michigan that, and, and grew up around some Michigan fans. So he's really, really excited to check out Michigan. I think he's a guy uh, they can flip, especially with him not being a true Texas kid. Um, and then obviously we have to talk about a few guys out West. Uh, Jaden Lemar immediately comes to mind. He's the number one guy on the running back board uh, out of the Pacific Northwest in the, in the Seattle area. He visited for the game against Washington and uh, loves Mike Hart, loves Michigan, and he's trying to get back for the game against Ohio State as well. Um, so yeah, th those are just kind of uh, uh, some of the guys that immediately jumped to my mind as, as top priorities. There's, uh, I don't have a list in front of me, so just uh, I'm sure there are a lot more, but those are some names you need to know in 2023.
Yeah, uh, definitely great insight, man. And uh, Nicholas Harbor, just to touch on him for a second, that dude is, whoo, he is an athlete. I mean, I, you see him fly on the football field that as big as he is, I'm I'm ducking and I'm covering, man. I, I don't want any part of that. Uh, that, that kid is a stud. Uh, me and uh, Steven uh, Ossentoski had had kind of debated whether he should go on offense or defense. And if you get a kid that big and that quick, I want him on the edge rushing the passer, man. I, I want him on defense. Uh, he, he was making the case for like a tight end, um, you know, like a Kyle Pitts kind of tight end kind of thing, uh, which which certainly would be would, would be nice as well to have on the offensive side of the ball. But give me him as a pass rusher. I, I think he's a stud uh, anywhere you put him, but I would certainly like him on defense. Uh, EJ, man, I, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, always a pleasure talking with you. Uh, give the listeners uh, a little bit of uh, information on what you got going on uh, with the Wolverine and uh, the recent move to the on three network. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we are now on, on three, the entire, um, the Wolverine staff has moved over. So you will no longer find us at rivals. Uh, everybody, including myself, uh, Chris Ballas, uh, Anthony Broom, Clayton Safey, John Borden, everybody is now over on the On3 network. It's still the Wolverine.com, same people, same the Fort message board. So you can come join us if, if you weren't part of the Wolverine before. Uh, we'd still love you to come join as well. Right now we are offering one year for $1. So you can't really beat that. Uh, I don't think you can buy anything for a dollar anymore. Like even at dollar general, everything's like, yeah, um, that's a good point. Yeah. You seriously can't, but Hey, I, I took advantage of, of the one year for the $1. So I highly encourage everybody to do that as well. uh, Cause you guys put out really good content, man. No. Yeah. We appreciate that. Yeah. We, we have a ton of content coming out. Um, You know, every, uh, Everybody does a great job on the team side. So Clayton, Anthony, Ballas, uh, Borden do a great job there. We just made another recruiting hire as well. So we'll have nonstop recruiting coverage. So again, uh, one year, $1 over at the Wolverine.com. But man, I really appreciate you for having me on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on and want to thank everybody for listening, uh, whether you're at home, driving, uh, whatever. We always appreciate uh, you tuning in to Future Brew. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at Vaughn underscore Lozon. And if you're not already following EJ uh, on Twitter, where they can, where can they find you at, my friend? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at EJ Holland on three. Awesome. And uh, give Mason Brew a follow on Twitter, Facebook, you know, all that stuff. Uh, give us five star reviews on our podcast and subscribe to our podcast network. We would Greatly appreciate that as well. EJ, thank you again for coming on. And uh, thank you all for listening to Future Brew. We'll be back next week with another episode of Michigan Football Recruiting.